Welcome to the podcast Life of Emerald. We all have mental and physical health. You know they go both hand in hand. They are connected. But how we as society stigmatize mental health to our detriment? Let's talk about it. You're listening to the podcast Life of Emerald. I'm your host, Kate. We're a spiritual organization empowering millennials and Generation X to stand up to the universal truth, grounded in oneness with the creation based on love, peace, harmony. Be true to yourself. We balance the science and spirituality, modern innovation, and ancient wisdom. Shall we normalize mental health in 2022? This is a global movement. Make mental health a norm. Our honorable guest today is Kurt Blackson. Kurt is an author of The Magic of Surrender and Transformational Teacher who helps some of the world's wealthiest people develop a transcendent mindset that is rooted in truth and purpose. Using various proven tactics, Blackson helps his client discover who they truly are and frees them from the shackles of false belief systems. Based on the principles that Blackson and these billionaires use, you can too cultivate a mindset that transcends limitations and helps you to live a fulfilled life. Kurt's work has changed thousands of lives around the world. Wow, I'm proud to introduce and interview inspirational speaker and visionary Kurt. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> nice to find you Kurt. You're doing amazing work out there. Let's get started. What is your view on mental health in general? Well, I think mental health is the foundation of life. You know, uh, I think the more we are mentally healthy, the more we feel connected to ourselves, the more we feel whole, the more we feel peace, the more we feel peace, the more we can live from that place and act from that place. And so I think it's, uh, it's super important and super key, you know, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, would you say mental health has co direct correlation to our physical health and the mental health and physical health are one? Yeah, I would say that there was a foundation and I would say that they are interconnected. The mind and body are interconnected for sure. You know, I know for myself, uh, I exercise daily. I take care of my physical health. I try to eat as healthily as I can. And when I exercise and when I move my body and when my physical uh, health is in is in optimum uh it affects how i feel it affects how i think and so um i think also motion movement motion affects emotion and so i'm a big big sort of proponent of physical health as the foundation because if you don't have your physical health you're not, I'm not going to say you're not going to have mental health, but if you don't have your physical health, it's much harder to have mental health. And so I think they're, they're both interconnected, but also I think your mental health affects your physical health simultaneously. There's a symbiotic relationship between mental and physical, because if you're thinking negatively and you're thinking toxic thoughts and you're thinking of the worst things and you're thinking, you know, uh, heavy, toxic, negative energy thinking, then that's going to affect your physiology. That's going to affect your body. That's going to affect your mood, your body, your energy levels, uh, for sure. So they're, they're, they're completely interconnected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, could I would like to get to know you a little bit more. What's one personal story pertaining to mental health which has shaped your life view today? Could you be a little vulnerable with us? Personal story that shaped my life just start with when 2016 my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer 
And so for an entire year, I went through a really difficult and challenging situation. And I don't know if this is exactly what you're looking for, but it's something that really impacted my life. Um, I started flying back and forth between Los Angeles and London to be with her in her chemo sessions. And it was a very difficult time. It was a very challenging time. Um, and there's a lot I could say about what happened during that time. I got to spend time with my mother in a way I had never spent with her. I got to spend time with her in a way I hadn't since I was a kid. I got to be with her for eight hours in her chemo session, just sitting and talking and loving her. And it was really, really special, you know, really special. And when she passed away, uh, it was really challenging, you know, to thoughts and emotions and a lot going on inside and I think for me one thing that ended up uh, impacting my mental health and impacting my thinking impacting how I felt because there was a lot of pain a lot of grief my mother's passing one thing that really made a difference in, in, in my ability to shall I say let go in my ability to be healthy and whole and not go crazy was my willingness to feel my feelings and my willingness to acknowledge the grief I had. And I think in so many ways as a culture, we don't realize how we have been conditioned to suppress how we feel. We've been conditioned to suppress our emotions from childhood, we've been conditioned to suppress our pain, our sadness, our anger, our hurt. We're conditioned by maybe parents that say, Hey, boys don't cry or, don't be weak or we're conditioned to also by let's say advertising media you switch on the tv and it says oh you feel sad you don't feel great take this pill drink this drink buy this thing and so i think we're so conditioned to not feel our emotions that from childhood we start stuffing our feelings stuffing our emotions stuffing our pain our sadness our shame our what we don't realize is the feelings that we don't allow ourselves to feel, the feelings that we don't allow ourselves to acknowledge, the feelings that we don't allow, our, allow ourselves to process, the feelings that we don't allow ourselves to fully express, eventually end up expressing in unhealthy ways. And that, those unprocessed feelings, emotions, sadness, grief, shame, hurt that we all have from childhood for some reasons, some of which we're not even conscious of, some of which we've suppressed so, deep, so deeply that we're not aware of consciously, starts affecting how we feel, our mood, our thinking, and our mental health. And so for me, one of the keys to mental health is the willingness to acknowledge and face and feel your authentic feelings. The willingness to acknowledge and face and feel your feelings, process your feelings, let go of those feelings in a healthy way because all feelings remain present until fully felt. And many times we're not happy or we feel depressed and we don't even know why we feel depressed. And we're not conscious of why we feel depressed. Maybe nothing specific has happened in our life in this moment. But we're not aware that perhaps we're carrying sadness or grief or pain from 10 years ago or five years ago or when we were kids or when mom and dad you know got into a fight and got a divorce and when we carry this emotion inside of us stored inside of us it affects our mental health it affects our feelings and many times we end up feeling depressed and we don't know why we're depressed but depression is often a sign that we've been suppressing feelings and so one of the things i learned to do when my mother passed away was I allowed my, I gave myself time to grieve. I gave myself time to feel my feelings. I gave myself time to feel my feelings, to honor the pain, 
to honor the love, to honor the human level emotions. And I think through the grieving, because grieving happens in layers, it allowed me the opportunity to not hold on, to not hold on to the sadness, to not hold on to the pain and feel it and let it go, feel it and let it go, feel it and let it go. And, and it was really through that allowing of feeling my feelings fully that I would say I was able to move through that very emotional and difficult time much more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Phenomenon how we can process the emotion, but we have to first give us uh, permission to do that. And as you explain about stuffing down our emotions, the imagery I get is putting in a refrigerator, you know, the sadness, depression, all of that, and then it becomes frozen until the refrigerator is too full. Sometimes we blow up, <laughs> yeah? Yes, That's yes. not healthy. So I think that key message here I hear from you is when we do feel grief based on life circumstances, everybody goes through some challenges, just feel that. Let it fall, the ice, let it melt, just like that. Yeah, all feelings remain present until fully felt, and I think because we've been conditioned to not feel, we are afraid to feel because we're afraid that maybe the feelings will last forever and it will never end. We're afraid that those feelings will overwhelm us, they'll break us, they'll, we will collapse into them and we'll be so overwhelmed that we'll never come out so we suppress those feelings. But uh, I think it's important that we realize to have a healthy relationship with feelings is going to affect your mental health and to have a healthy relationship with your feelings is, is to feel your feelings and all no feelings are permanent all feelings are temporary and every feeling has a natural cycle and some feelings have more layers and layers and layers than others but when we feel our feelings fully with awareness without resistance without judgment without denial when we feel our feelings with full awareness the feelings begin to dissolve the stages and one thing that i think can help people in terms of feeling our feelings because sometimes i have clients say to me could i've been feeling my feelings <laughs> but it's still not going i've been feeling my feelings and it's not ending. i've been feeling my feelings and it doesn't end and many times we think that we're feeling our feelings but we're actually thinking about our feelings. We're analyzing our feelings. We're questioning why, why do I feel this way? What's wrong with me for feeling this way? And so we're not really aware that we're thinking about our feelings, not necessarily feeling our feelings. To truly feel your feelings is here's some guidance to people because this is what will help you process your emotions and move through. Take the label off of the feeling. Because sometimes we have labels on feelings. This is so I say there's no good feelings and there's no bad feelings. There's just feelings. And feelings are just energy in motion. Feelings are just feedback of a part of you that's needing some tension. And when you can take the label off of your feelings, no good feelings, no bad feelings, and just feel your feelings with full awareness. And notice the feeling as a sensation in your body. And when you can notice the feeling as a sensation in your body. You're not thinking about it, analyzing it, trying to get rid of it, and then follow the feeling as the sensation in your body. Follow the feeling, allow it to complete its natural cycle. Follow the feeling, allow it to complete its natural cycle. Then you'll find that the feeling begins to dissolve because you're actually truly now authentically feeling your feelings rather than thinking about your feelings. That's one way to process those feelings, not just in the mind, mentalizing it. Like, oh, I should forgive, but I'm still resentful and hurt. I should forgive and I should let go, but I'm still carrying this pain. And many times I find 
we do a spiritual bypass. I know many folks that do spiritual bypass. They're like using spiritual concepts like, okay, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so I should forgive and let go. And then we don't honor the human part of us to feel. And that's why we end up feeling the pain. And the pain is a signal that there's something we're denying. But when we can just feel the feeling, feel the energy of anger, just feel it in your body. Allow yourself to follow the sensation. Allow that sensation to move through you and complete itself. It will begin to dissolve. And I think that's the, that's the beauty, you know, of being able to truly let go. And when we let go, we're lighter. And then we're lighter. And then we're more light. And then as we're lighter, our mental health improves. And that's the beauty. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head when you say spiritual bypass. Yeah, we advocate for psychological integration as well. And sometimes we forget about that. And you mentioned about how society give us a narrative and not to feel this emotion. For example, anger is bad or all of that. Well, I was taught that too, but the scholars at Stanford, I studied there, say that anger is just an emotion. Yeah, it's just an emotion. So there is no label we need to put in yes, order to yes. process that. So could you say a little bit about the importance of psychological work in the spiritual community as well? Oh, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, I think in the spiritual community, it's so important because if we don't do the psychological, mental, emotional, physiological work and process on a human, healthy ego level, then danger becomes we end up doing a sort of transcendental spiritual bypass, a way of not dealing with our feelings. And that's where I see the danger becomes as spiritual practitioners, we can end up sort of disintegrated and disconnected. And so to me, real spirituality isn't just escaping this reality, escaping the body. It's about finding a way to have an integrated experience mind, emotions, body, soul, integrated together in a coherent manner, interconnected. And so when we don't integrate the psychological, mental, emotional work, therapy, energetic work, body work, then we're disconnected, we're disintegrated. And so then you'll often have this experience where people in the spiritual community, you, you meditate, you have this higher experience, you, you feel high, you feel connected to the divine source, you have blue light, chakras opening up, pineal gland flowing, energy flowing, you feel bliss, enlightenment. And then when you come out of that meditation, you go back into life, traffic, vows, boss, like everything drives you crazy. And now you blend back into your human ego body and all of the pain, the hurt, the trauma that you didn't really process brings you back down to the level of your unprocessed emotion. And so sometimes unless we do the psychological, mental, emotional work, spirituality, the danger can become that spirituality ends up being an escape from reality, an escape from our stuff rather than dealing with our stuff. And I think real spirituality has to embrace and integrate all dimensions of our existence because we live as multidimensional beings. Ultimately, at the deepest essence, we are spirit, pure consciousness, pure energy, beyond birth, beyond death, souls. We are that, transcendental in nature. And we are souls that incarnate into this human body. And this body is the vehicle for the spirit in this lifetime. That And so that has to be embraced 
not that we get it identified or attached, but has to be embraced as a dimension of us in this lifetime. Psychological, mental, emotional work is so important in order to be able to integrate and embody the higher levels of our awakening, the higher levels of our transcendental experience in the body. And many times when we're not able to, then that's when you see sometimes spiritual peoples or spiritual teachers, I'm sad to say, who awakened spiritually, but they haven't dealt with the lower level stuff, human stuff, and so then they act out, or they act like tyrants, or there's just so much ego level stuff because they haven't done the work to integrate their psyche with their soul and their spirit. And so to me, real spirituality in the 21st century has to be integrated integrated, integral, holistic spirituality on all levels, not just in the spiritual transcendental level of awakening, of knowing the true reality of your soul, but the physical, the mental, the emotional level all working together. That takes courage, you know, it takes courage to sometimes say, I'm going to look at my pain. I'm going to look at my hurt because you can have a great meditation and then feel insecure and triggered by your spouse the next moment it, it's not integrated and so to me the pain of the human level pain is just showing us as an invitation those parts of ourselves that we get to heal and those parts of ourselves that we get to process and those parts of ourselves that we get to deal with I love that word invitation and we're self-inviting to feel all of it and I agree with you about the importance of integrating the spirituality, the psyche, psychology, all of it in the body into one. So everything, let's welcome it. And the welcoming of looking at the truth. I did see your interview with Larry King and <laughs> it's fascinating. I think somewhere in your interviews you speak about facing death, ego death. Can you speak a little bit about dying to find yourself? I am fascinated. Yeah, you know, I think you talk about ego death. I should maybe clarify what we mean. Well, first, I think it's important that we have an understanding of the ego. Because without the correct understanding of the ego, can totally transform your relationship with the ego, which that in and of itself can free you up. And so, it's not like the ego dies because the ego isn't even alive. And so to really clarify what I mean, the ego isn't even a thing. And so there's a bad rap given to the ego, like it's bad, it's the enemy, we're gonna annihilate the ego, get rid of the ego, eradicate the ego from the planet. The truth is in this human experience, we all have an ego, even Dalai Lama has an ego. Ego isn't a problem. If you met the Dalai Lama, looked at the Dalai Lama and said, hey Dalai Lama, hey, how are you? He would turn around and wave. In order to do that, there has to be a level of ego. So ego isn't the problem. The real issue becomes relationship with the ego. One's relationship with the ego is more the issue than the ego itself. In the human experience, the ego is the vehicle that we use to navigate life. But when we get attached to it and over-identified with ego, this becomes the issue. This becomes the problem. This becomes the disconnection. Ego isn't a thing like a bicycle is a thing, a phone, is a thing. Ego is a process, like when you're cycling, of identification with mind-body main form. It's a process more than anything. And when you understand it's a process, not a thing, the grip of the ego begins to lose its power a little bit. We look at this experience. 
When we're born as children, we're in touch with our divine self. You look into a child's eyes, the child is alive, the child is aligned, the child is in tune, the child is awakened, the child is being, the child is in touch with their essence. They don't have ego. They don't know what's right and wrong, good or bad. They're not conditioned by life, society, media, parents, culture, ancestors. A child, they don't know what's good or bad. They'll run up to a stranger who could be a criminal and give them a hug. They'll say, you know, the child will jump on a table naked and it doesn't care, am I fat? What do I look like? A child will sing on a table. It doesn't know, is my singing good? Is, you know, what does Kate think of? Child is just being, there's no ego there. It's just being pure, light energy frequency consciousness so what happens we're born into a preset framework and pattern of conditioning and as we're born into that then we meet our parents and our parents are just doing the best that they can do based on their life our parents are doing the best that they can do based on their upbringing based on their childhood based on their conditioning and they carry their own trauma and so we're born into maybe dad was an alcoholic maybe mum had mental health issues maybe they were fighting all the time so there was a level of pain and as children how ego starts getting created is in a couple of ways we start to learn unconsciously how to shut down disconnect and not feel the pain to not this is where it starts to not feel the pain of what's going on around so we shut down disconnect not feel we suppress those feelings repress those feelings repress the pain and we develop all sorts of defense mechanisms to function survive and not feel those defense mechanisms now we start holding on to very tightly as a way to never feel that pain again then we go into our life age 10 age 15 age 20 age 30 locked into a certain pattern that we learn to be to defend ourselves to never feel that pain again now we're not we don't have the freedom to open our hearts the freedom to love the freedom to be ourselves because we never want to feel that pain again. We also learn to suppress those feelings and those unprocessed feelings begin to build up layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And before we're age 10 and 15 and 20, depending on the level of trauma we have, now we have 20 layers, 30 layers, 40 layers, you know, so many layers, unprocessed, unfelt emotion, pain, hurt, guilt, resentment, shame, anger, the list goes on. And now our true light, our true essence is buried underneath all of these layers years of unprocessed pain and now we wonder why do i have mental health issues why do i feel crazy why do i feel depressed why do i feel unhappy why do i feel sad why do i feel suicidal because because we've suppressed so much and so now ego starts getting created because we start developing a defense mechanism to avoid the pain not feel we hold tightly onto that then we start developing a way of being as a child who do i need to be who do I need to be in order to be loved by mom and dad? Oh, if I'm nice, if I'm sweet, if I'm good, if I'm kind, if I'm spiritual, if I take care of everyone, if I'm the perfect student, if I'm always appropriate, we start developing a role, a mask and a persona that we start attaching to. We start becoming that as a way of being, thinking this is who I am. Now we hold tightly to this way of being. We hold tightly to this way of being as a way of function and survival to get love validation and approval avoid pain get love validation approval we contort ourselves into a shape in order to function and survive we identify and hold so tightly to this way of being that we've learned to become and we think that is who we are we believe that this is who we are 
I'm K, and this is who K is. I'm Ku, this is who Ku is. I'm independent, I'm shy, I'm happy, I'm happy-go-lucky, I'm, you know, I'm a tough guy. I'm, the list goes on. We, saw, we, we develop all of these personas, and the degree to which we are identified with this pattern of conditioning that we have become is ego. That huh. is ego. The degree of identification, ego isn't the problem, it's the degree to which we believe this is what I am. I'm not enough. I am this. And, and we hold tightly onto that because that's all we knew and that's how we learned to function and survive. Survival. That's really what it is. It's survival. And so part of the process, and I think part of the process of human life, human existence, is for us to wake up to who we really are beyond these patterns of conditioning because the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we are not free. The degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we are just living out the patterns and the programming of our childhood and our past. And so what we have to learn to do, truly learn to do, is first become aware and acknowledge that we're conditioned. And then start becoming aware and acknowledging and, and, and observing our ways of being and our patterns of conditioning. Why do I do that? And why am I doing that? I don't know why I'm doing that. I'm just doing that because I was told to do that. I'm just acting this way because this is what I was told to act. I'm just acting this way because my parents, my society, my religion, my culture told me to be this way, but is this who I am? And so we have to learn to start questioning ourselves, but it's often scary to question ourselves because we're so wrapped up and holding on to ego. Ego is that identification and the job of ego is to reinforce its sense of existence and keep us safe. And so surrender and letting go of ego, which is which is what we're often taught, let go of ego, die to the ego. Why it can be so scary to die, dying is just letting go. Why it's so scary to die to the ego is because we so think we are the ego. But when we realize that we're not the ego, that we are something more, something beyond, something transcendental, truly source, energy, consciousness, divine essence, then we know that what is dying, our perceived sense of attachments and conditioning is not what we really are. And then the fear can lessen because, oh, I thought I was this, 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 this. I'm not that, oh, I'm not that. So even as that dies away and as those parts of us die away, those illusions, those inauthenticities, those old ways of being, those defense mechanisms, we have a deeper knowing that we're not that. And so acknowledging that we're conditioned, becoming aware of our patterns of conditioning and how we react and respond, then the willingness to consciously, maybe through therapy, doing the psychological work, as you mentioned, process and feel those feelings that we've learned to suppress so that we can let them go in a healthy way. That's another key. And, and I think through that, then we can start reconnecting with a deeper part of ourselves who we really, really, really are without trying to manufacture it, but allow the true essence of who we are to emerge. And so to me, this is what it is to die to oneself or who we think we are, which is not who we really are. And I always tell people for a moment, be willing to not know who you are. We're so sure about who we are. I'm this, I'm that, I'm good at this. I'm... No, no, no. Be willing to not be so sure. Be willing to not know who you are so that you can find out. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot to unfold in your explanation of how do we shift perspectives out of the yes. conditioned belief, step away from our conditioned mindset 
by questioning, is this real? Is this really me? In the process of letting go of the whatever we're holding on to, we call it ego and all of that. And I love the fact that we are able, we're capable of facing our truth by just inquiring inside and saying, okay, I don't need to be anything else. I surrender, I surrender to unknown and let's welcome all these types of emotion. Let me be truly myself. That also is one strategy to calming our mind instantly. And yeah. it takes time, it takes process. And healing yeah. takes time. But I think that you have some strategies that can really catapult people into from A to B. And you have yeah. toolboxes. Well, could you share one go-to strategy for calming your mind instantly? Calming your mind instantly? Wow. I don't know about instantly. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, uh, but sometimes, look, but the mind is always going, 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 you know. And, and so I think what might help is first just a realization that whatever thoughts are floating through your mind you are not your thoughts you are not your mind because when we think up with our mind and we identify with our mind it's hard to be calm and so i don't know if the mind experiences real calmness but real calmness is always the nature of our being Begin to observe, number one, begin to observe your thoughts. Begin to observe your thoughts, observe your thoughts, notice your thoughts, observe your thoughts, watch your thoughts. When you can start watching those thoughts float by, oh, there's another, there's another, oh, there's another thought. Then you step back and you begin to disidentify from those thoughts. Part of the, the, the stress is we're so attached to those thoughts. This, that, not enough. This, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Worst case scenarios. We're so attached to those thoughts that we identify with them, that we think we are them. And now we're all hell breaks loose. It's a circus in our mind. And so when we can step back and begin to observe, then there's some space. If you can observe your mind, then you'll notice, oh, I'm observing my mind. I'm observing those thoughts. And if you can observe those thoughts, then you can begin to notice I'm not those thoughts. If you can observe it, then you're not it. But when we can't observe it, because we're lost in it, we still believe we are it. But if you can observe it, then you're not it. And that's part of the freedom, to start witnessing, observing those thoughts. Witnessing, observing those thoughts. And then ask yourself, number, number two, ask yourself, is it true? Is it fact? Because many times we believe the thought as though it's real. We believe the fiction. We believe a thought as though it's fact when it's really fiction and we, we don't differentiate the difference so question that, that thought is it true is it fact no it's not true i'm not enough is it true yes it is it fact it's not fact i'm unlovable is it fact no but it's how i feel well sometimes you feel like killing someone but it doesn't mean it's true it doesn't mean it's real is it true? Someone you sometimes you feel like the person you love is an idiot. Doesn't mean it's fact. It's just how you feel. So you are not your feelings. So when you can step back and start then observing the thoughts, questioning, questioning yourself, is this thought fact or is it fiction? Most of it you'll find is fiction. Most of it you'll find is not re based on reality right now. This moment, right now. And I think that that's super important that we really start questioning our thoughts and we step back and observe. Then we can start seeing, oh, I'm not those thoughts. Then there's some space. 
then there's some freedom. Then I think also what helps is you breathe. Because when you breathe, you start bringing yourself back into your body. You start bringing yourself back into, into the moment. One, a couple of breathings that will help people is you can breathe in twice through the nose and exhale out through the mouth. This is one breathing uh, sort of process technique that can really help you. Another breathing that can really help calm, talk about calming your system, is you breathe in six seconds through your nose, hold it for around five, six seconds, and then exhale. So it's simply like And you'll begin to find six, six, and six that your whole system begins to calm. So those are two breathing techniques that can help calm your system. And the other thing that we can do when you're in that mental circus is, is just connecting with your body, tuning into your body, noticing your body, touching your body, feeling your body, scanning your body, feeling your body. Okay, my body, I'm in my body. Okay, it moves you out of the mind because when we're in the mind, we're often not in our body present here today. We're spinning out somewhere else. So being in your body really helps. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, you're touching on the Buddhism philosophy. Uh, I, my teacher, Mingyur Rinpoche, speaks about watching the thoughts. Don't cling onto it like train, right? Oh, train. Nice. Thoughts are yes. trained. We don't jump onto that. And yes. the awareness is important in that we can sort of flip it by saying, okay, the thoughts, I'm watching a movie. I'm watching the movie is not mine. Movie is not mine. The train, I'm not going to jump into that. So it gives us agency to calm, stay calm. As you mentioned earlier, we're a multidimensional being, a spiritual being in the human body. Um, if we're conditioned to believe the thoughts and jump on the train, then we can detach that and we can transform ourselves by knowing these tools to come back to our real essence. Well, Kurt, what's your six word story you'd like our audience to take with today? you are going to die there's five words you are going to die meditate on that meditate on your death that's my six that's my five word story because if you i'll just say a bit more it might take more than five words but we're so busy avoiding death we're so busy running away ultimately yes we know that the soul never dies the soul is beyond birth and death what we are is infinite pure consciousness being pure light we are that but in this human incarnation, this physical body will die. It's completely impermanent. It is what it is. It's the body. And I think when we can embrace death, it frees us up to begin living. And so many times we worry, we worry. You talk about mental health. We worry about so much stuff in the mind. Worry, what, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this is going to happen. But in the face of death, some of the stuff we worry about is so irrelevant, is so unimportant, but we forget. And so I think when you can meditate on your death, not as some morbid, sad thing, but meditate on your death, I'm gonna die. It's true, Buddha died, Jesus died, Mandela died. This body will die, am I this body? What's real, what doesn't die? And when you meditate on your death, it brings life into perspective. It brings what's important to perspective. Many of the things that I stress about, it's just not even that important anymore. Like, really, I'm gonna die. Is this how I wanna die thinking about something that's not even here right now? And so when you hold death close, 
it's a reminder of life. When you hold death close, it, it sobers you into the reality and the preciousness of this moment. Most of the people that died today or died last week or died you know, in, a, in an accident, they didn't know that they were going to die that day. They didn't know that they were going to come home that night and look their loved ones in the eyes and say, I love you or I'm sorry. And so I just want to say, if there's something you need to do, something you need to say, something you need to apologize, someone you need to forgive, do it now. And so how would you need to live in such a way that if death came, you would have no regrets. So my story is you are going to die. You are going to die. Five words. Absolutely love it. Not many people talk about the way you do about death. I'm so grateful you said you are going to die. That brings me to the appreciation of this of moment of life. Yeah, there's yes. no guarantee. So might as well be grateful for what I have right now. Right? Yes, true, true. Good. How do our audience get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah. Uh, a couple of ways, depending on people listen to this interview. My book, The Magic of Surrender, paperback is coming out May the 3rd, folks, May the 3rd. Go to Amazon. Uh, on May the 7th, I'm doing a special seminar, two hours. We're going to dive deep, talk about these topics and more. I'm going to do a very special seminar called Reinvent Life. And I'm going to teach people how to let go of the past, let go of who you were, connect to your truth and share your gifts with the world. It's going to be a very special two-hour seminar. I've never done it before. Go to www.kootblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar www.kublaxon.com forward slash reinvent seminar enter your name your email and uh, your receipt number from the paperback and you get access to a bunch of free gifts and also the seminar and if you're listening to this afterwards we'll make sure you get access to the replay for the seminar as well uh, my main website is kublaxon k-u-t-e blackson my name.com uh, for those that maybe feel called to transform and have a deeper dive twice a year i do an event in bali uh, it's transformational for those of you that feel like going to the next level it's called boundless bliss bali www.boundlessblissbali.com wow exceptional i could i have a future plan to do a spiritual retreat in bali let's see how we can merge reverse non-attached to outcome well, good. Thanks for sharing your gift of wisdom and your lifetime work. And the book that's coming up is called The Magic of Surrender. I wish you many blessing and success and transform many people's lives. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today, empowering millennials and Generation X to stand up to what's normal. I appreciate your time. This is an episode series, Make Mental Health Onum with Life of Emerald, advocating for listeners like you. For more information, subscribe to our community Instagram page at Life of Emerald underscore. Find us on LinkedIn at Life of Emerald. Finally, find happiness solution on lifeofemerald.com slash all dash classes. Our homepage is lifeofemerald.com. Till next time, take care. Thank you.